The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay, so the first thing is just a, a, a side point, which is a very little known halacha. People don't know it's a Bursha, Kibara, and there's a based on the Medrash, Shail's Vitasmacht, if it's real, but halacha is, there's a halacha mufilashes, Shulchan Aruch, it says, in Hilchas Basic Knesses, it says Yesh uh, Aisrim, which that, that doesn't mean it's just one opinion. Yesh Aisrim usually means there's, there's no one argues on it. So it's usually Lash Machav Yesh Aisrim. The Kanes, to walk into a base Knesses, means into a, into a shul. And the Allah is the original Allah, by the way, is from base Medrash. Some say it's only base Medrash, but it's brought in the Machav Paskins, even for base Knesses. The Sakun Aruch, with a long knife, meaning like a sword, a weapon. Meaning a packing knife, of course you can walk in because uh, you need, might need to cut your bread. cut your bread and well, whatever it is for the kiddush, cut your herring. So that's motif. There's a tzayuk, but he says sakanarach. Anything that's used primarily, its primary use is a weapon, is prohibited. Ibereish um, magula. That's, that's actually interesting. That some say have the gear, so it's part of the same thing. When the sakanarach is magula, the pashtun says it's all about without a yamka. So you can't walk into shul with a weapon or without a kippa, on except if you're in reform stem. Okay, so then you, you for sure can't walk with a weapon, but, but you can walk with a kid. So now um, the the point is like this. So the, the, the source, just good to know this. What's the source for this halacha? Is actually from Pinchas. It says by Pinchas, the, the Gemara makes a drasha. It's also a medrash that says that says by Yakam Pinchas. The question is, it says by Yikach Remach You know the story of Pinchas, and uh, give the guy uh, some prayer. Give him some. Give him a hand up. So, uh, so it says by Pinchas, it says when he went in the famous story, you know, you're familiar with the story of Pinchas in the Bible, was this zealot, and there was a bit, lot of uh, mixed marriage going on at the time. People were having, uh, were going, instead of J date, they were going on M date with the Midianites, they were marrying Midianites. So he went and he wanted to stop this plague that was happening. It says he went, he picked up his spear, and he went ahead, he went into the tent of the Nazi, who wasn't, tell us the names. Zimri. Zimri, Rask, and Cosby. And, uh, and he speared them. We're not going to get too graphic because we're reading here where he speared them right through their uh, important parts. And uh, he came out with them on a spear. So says the Gemara, the Medrash, and the Gemara says that, that we see from here that it's also to walk into a base Medrash, a base Knesset with a, with a weapon. Why? Because the fact that it says, Vayakam, he had to get up from wherever he was and he walked out. Soon, Pinchas was learning. He was a Kayan, he was learning all day. He was in Kaol. So he went in, the fact that he went out to get his spear, his mashmer, he can't bring his spear into, into base med. Into the Gemara. He died from there. And that's, that's the halacha that we passed. That, that's the source. Now, the reason given, and uh, I think it's the Shachan Arach, some of the one of the reasons that who gives it, uh, but uh, maybe the very good. Someone quotes, he says, the reason behind, what's chat? Why can't you walk with a weapon in the base Knesset? He says, because the whole tactless of a base Knesset, why, do you, why, why are you davening? It's to lengthen your life. The whole reason we pray in Shul is, it's marich yamuk, and the purpose of a weapon is to be makatsi yamuk, is to length, is to shorten one's life. Lengthen my life. What? Lengthen my, my life. What's like oh, yes, true. Right. Yeah, the person holding it. It's the length in my life. <laughs> Your weapon. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, it's a good, uh, talk about it. so that's, that's what it says. By the way, it's similar Allah, you know, people don't know. Birch Zamazan is also a fresh Allah. That's, that, uh, that's what we cover our knives. It says when you bench, you cover the knives on the table, you remove them from the table. So it's Allah and Shokhanach. Uh, not on the Shabbos. 
seems like it's not done on Shabbos, but during the week it's supposed to do. It's the same reason. The Mar says there is also because the uh, shulchan is like mizbech that the tachos of mizbech, the purpose of a mizbech of an altar, is to lengthen a person's life. It's mechaper and avanos, it's atones for sins. So therefore, because while you're eating, obviously you need to use the knife. But when you finish eating, when you start benching, so you cover the knife because for the same reason, because it says it's mekatzer yom shaladam, it shortens life. So the assumption is weapons are not a good thing. It would sound like anti-NRA from here. It says weapons inherently are evil. Um, even though they could be used, we understand, they're used for defense also. But weapons, the Gemara seems to imply, are since their primary use is to kill, to shorten life, they're not good things. That would seem an anti-NRA message. I'm not going to get into that debate, but interestingly enough, by the way, as I heard, since we have a Chassidim here, I'll say the Baal Shem Tov, heard quoted B'Shem the Baal Shem Tov, that he, he, he wrote that he shouldn't, for the same reason, he shouldn't use a mezuzah case that has metal in it. Because the same thing, mezuzah says, man yirich on your mecha, and they have mezuzahs to lengthen your life, so you use metal, metal again, Metal is primarily used for weapons. In those days, iron, and it was used to, to make weapons, and it's to shorten your life. So it's a theory. You shouldn't use, see this concept of not using things that are primarily made for destruction in where it's dichotomy, where, you, where it's in cases where um, you're uh, in a place where you want to lengthen your life. That's an that's a, uh, interesting thing. I saw Chaim Shmulevitz, actually one of his Mutzah uh, and he talks about the, he brings a riot from this. He says, also anti-NRA a little, I don't want to get to the pro NRA side soon, but he says like this, he says, um, he, he brings around, it's a whole different context of Nayak and the table, but he talks about that uh, um, this concept of, well, why is it the metals for it? The lush of the metal is, metal is Makatsu Yamashalam. Metal didn't do anything wrong, like the NRA says, people kill, your guns, guns don't kill, people kill. What's the metal's fault? Why we blame metal? Metal shouldn't be used in your, in your table, you should cover it I mean, in the shul, in the zizzle. So he says, he says, no, he says, when you do, he brings a riot from this, and when you do something with, with any item, whether it's a table or not, good or bad, that item takes on the part of that purpose. So if, if, since metal is used primarily for destruction, therefore iron is, is bad. Okay, which again would sound like, not like the NRA, anti-NRA. Um, okay, so that's the halacha. This is the first halacha we said in Shulchan Aruch to Paskin. So now, um, some, and interestingly enough, by benching it does says Sakun, Sakin. Over here, by Hilchus Beis Knesses, the lashon Shulchan Aruch is Sakin Aruch, only a long knife. So the question why that is. Um, so as we'll see, some people hold. So the the, the some people say very clearly, including the Mishnah Berurah here on the spot. Chazan says, if you cover the knife, if you cover the knife, bring it to the shul. It's mutter. There's no problems. That would be an easy header if you, as long as you're not carrying an M16 or a rifle or a shotgun. You know, very easily you just have a concealed carry. So according to Chavetz Chaim, it's 100% mutter. His lashon is, he says over here, in Hilchus Beis Knesses, he explains this very. He says, Beis Knesses that the whole purpose is to to lengthen life. Therefore, you don't bring. He says, we're only machmer on an open carry. Concealed carry is not a problem in the shul. So that's number one. So he has the first step, and very clearly, Chavz Chaim says, concealed carry is 100% mutter as long as it's covered. Okay, the problem is, let's say you're, uh, you, you, 
Concealed carry is not sufficient for you. You don't feel macho enough, and you need to carry a, a, a full rifle. So that becomes a different child. So, and by the way, ah, right. So, so the Sitzeliezer, there's a tshuva, first tshuva on it. I found the Sitzeliezer was in there. So I was asked by Israeli soldiers, what does he do when they're coming into shul? Again, if there's, it's a case because now there's wartime, or you know, you, you need it for protection of the shul. We'll talk about that, defining what's considered because nefesh. But assuming it's um, it's because nefesh again, there's no shayla. Question becomes: You have Israeli soldier. He's off duty. He's walking. He wants to dab mincha. He's in the Tachanamek. Is it? He wants to dab mincha. So can he come into the shul carrying his rifle? Okay. So I don't know. I'm sure there's IDF protocol, and you probably can't put down any weapon. But he says like this. So he gives a hierarchy. Of, and by the way, the the Rabbi Sef also has a tool. He's mad to conceal carry. Most price say conceal carry is okay. There are, the, there are those that say that don't dab with a minion. It's better not to have a minion but than to bring it. Right, or go have it at home. Don't come to shul. Right. If you have to carry a weapon at all times, better don't have it. Be for those that say it. again, not in pikuach nefesh case. Not to have pikuach. Open. It's just a matter of going into the shul. Well, that's an interesting point. Um, someone, I'm trying to remember who. I think it's uh, I think it's a Ravadia. Yosef says in his tshuva that that these sides, if since the whole purposes Marach Yomov. You don't want to have a steer of Marach Yomov, he says, so then it doesn't make a difference. Shul or not shul. It's about tefillah. I think it's, it's a Ravad, he says. What? It's in Hachzbeg Zvez. It's in Hachzbeg Zvez. It's in Hachzbeg Zvez. It's in Hachzbeg Zvez. But he's saying it's a very tefillah. So even if you dive in the Echidus, you shouldn't have your weapon. But, but uh, no one, no one, agree. I don't think I actually have heard Shashachta, heard a share from Shashachta, he, uh, he argues that. Because of Ravad. Yeah, he says it's right. right. Since it's the Allah is in Hill's basic classes, it's mash, but it's just a din in basic classes. It's not a din in. Just as it's not a din in Fidavni Bechidis. So it's a good point. Um, bottom line is, ah, so so Sitzeliazin is true, gives you a hierarchy of what to do if you're going into Shul. So number one, he says, he says, in times, obviously, as we're mentioning, it's because Nefesh is a real danger, of course, you can bring your gun and it's not a shame. B, he says, if there's no extra bother, he says, it's better to remove your gun before you go into the shul and have someone watch it outside. If there's a safe, you put it in the safe, if that's feasible. If you have another soldier outside, they can watch your gun for you. Again, I don't know if that's legal in, in IDF protocol, that I can't tell you. Um, C says, he says a very interesting thing here, which also is not so posh. He says that the other option is you could take the cartridge out or take the bullets out. He says, because then your gun is no longer a viable weapon. It's not considered, it's not called a weapon. At yeah, that point, separating. He says, put the put the cartridge in one pocket, and you have the gun separate without the cartridge, without the bullet. He says that's also no longer doesn't count. It's not defined as a weapon anymore. Maybe it's more to, to bring into the to the shul. Um, that's option number three. And then he says, last but not least, if you can remove the bullets, so again, it could be also if, if it's against protocol. I don't know. He says then keep. He says keep your pistol covered. He says if you have a big gun, take a talus and cover it with a talus. Put it, bring in the shul, and you cover it with a talus. Just so he, puts, he says it's better to dive in with your gun out with no bullets than it is to dive in with a cover. Right. So he's not happy with the cover. Right. He's, no, he's not sword. He's saying in the hierarchy, he's right. He knows the, the, the is not happy. Or is he in terms of, he's uh, saying in front of like what's better. Right, he says it's better right, to take the cartridge out and make it this way. It's not a weapon to call him to cover it because covering is not supposed. Covering is still a weapon. Right. No, but I'm saying he's the Mishburu's math and covering. He says the whole issue is not again. Because it's not even a weapon. It's yeah. the same thing. Okay. I'm saying he's but not. No, it's not. It's better. He holds the Mishburu. He's only bit the evidence. The Chavz Chaim would say it's better to take the bolts out and keep it open. It's not a weapon. 
It's like turning well, it's into a push. It's not so posh. Listen, gun. Listen, the place that say have gun-free zone, the JCC, you can't come in even without the bullet. It's the fire. It is a weapon. Okay, you're missing the garbage. Let's see. So, seconds later. This, this hierarchy that we're discussing now is about open carry, not concealed carry, because if it's concealed carry, it's probably okay, right? Well, that's no, that's what we're saying. Like the Mishaburah says, if it's concealed carry, it's okay. That's his yeah. so what we so what He's saying he the, he he's not as happy as concealed carry. He's saying it's better to leave it outside. No, it's a it's a it's a bidiavid. He holds concealed covering the weapon is a bidiavid. Uh-huh. It's not a lechatchil. That's what that's what this says. Again, the Chavetz Chaim says beferish if you cover it, sufficient. But he says that's bidiavid. Last the last resort would be to cover it. That's what he says. Again, even the mishabur, you're not gonna, you can't stick your rifle down your pants. It's not gonna show you. So that he's saying, if, if you're stuck in that case where you have a shotgun, you could cover, put a talus over. You know, in that case, that also works. Bidiavid again. It's better not to bring it in at all. That's his opinion. But he's saying the tzitzilos are saying you should be. Better than to cover it, you should take the bullets out. So even if you have a yes. concealed carry, right? Right. He's saying yes. you should uncard exactly. exactly. your, your, your yes. weapon before you yeah, want. Yeah, hundred percent. His is to separate the the, we- the bullets from them, then it makes it like he's saying it makes it ice weapon, which is it's a chiddush. Not I, I don't know if everyone would agree to that. That's not a weapon. It is a weapon. It's just. But it has to be because the whole halacha is applied to a sword, which yeah. you never could do something. Okay. You can never do that. So it, uh, if you take a sword, you chop it. By the way, the, the weapon is something. That I was saying before in the shulchanah. By the way, the lashon of mechaber is very interesting. It's not about weapons. So he's saying all the things you shouldn't bring into shul. While there's a lot of things that are prob- problems bring into shul, and at the end he says v'yeshay some likanas by b'sakin aruch. And then the last line in the Mechaber is Oibar Reish Magula, which Pashta, Pashta teaches without a yamka. But there's some say it's a, it's a mistake in Gersh. It's Sakan Aruch Bereish Magula. It's, it's no lie there. Meaning it's referring to the sword. Don't bring a sword in that, that, you know, the that edge is exposed. The edge is exposed. Sound, if you learn that Gersh in the Mechaber, so the Shulchan Aruch, he's saying very clearly, clearly that covering it would be fine. The right. that Gersh, but but there's a it's one Gersh. <coughs> what if it's in the scabbard where you, you know it's a sword but it's covered? Right, right. saying that's fine. Right. It seems right. to be fine. Right, and the Chavz also said so. Okay, so that's as far as covering in shul. Again, because nefesh this is all irrelevant. This is not even going to Moshe is not a real iser. It's a smachta from Pinchas. It's not the whole thing. So it's, it's not you know this, for sure if there's any danger to life, this is all irrelevant. You could bring it into shul. Meaning if you feel like there's a threat in the base Knesset, of course you have to bring it in. This is irrelevant. Could you? if it's in a holster out in the open so it's open carry it's in the holster it's still covered it could theoretically fall under that same it's covered yeah uh, Yeah. 100% I mean I I thought about those that say the kiss that's made for it like my tefillin it's not considered covered I don't think it's like like going to the bathroom you talk about your tefillin your tefillin your your tefillin case is not considered a covering for the tefillin because that's really part of it so the question here would be, is your holster like that? But I, I, I didn't see anyone who talks about it, but it's a, it, I don't, it seems like they're all fine with the holster. Holsters should be fine. Depends who, which company, you know, to some cover the whole thing, some part of it. The barrel's partially exposed. Uh, an okay, so now, um, okay, so I'm gonna skip the next part because it's more lengthy and we'll, we'll come back to it. I wanna get to the other issue, so let's turn, turn the page to, well, to, to carrying gun on Shabbos. Okay, so there's two issues when it comes to Shabbos. One is, again, in non-pikuch nefesh situations, and we'll get to the final pikuch nefesh, but we're saying, let's say you just 
you live in a safe neighborhood. You don't live in Fadrin. You live uh, in, 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 in Bellevue. Okay, you live in Bellevue. Okay, you live in uh, West University. There's no crime. Zero crime. Zero. Um, okay, so there's two shots there. So one is, so I'm carrying my gun, not for people, I want to move it. Or let's say it's in your house. It happens to be on your Shabbos table and you need to move it um, because you're having guests for, you know, for Shabbos. Okay, so the shots, there's a Mukta Shaila. That's question number one, and then the other child is going to be carrying outside the air, which in Bel Air and, and, and West University is no air. So can you carry a gun outside the air? So the first child is Mukta. So it's fascinating that there's a gets to the heart of what the tachos, what's the purpose of a gun. So the first thing is, so the Pasha would be, as we know, there's different types of Mukta. Right. The standard Mukta is Klisha Malachta Lesser, right? which means a utensil. Have you heard of the concept of Mukta? Mukta means because on, Sh- on Shabbos there's certain things that have their pri- utensil, where it's primary use is for prohibited purposes on Shabbos, so for example a pen, not a write on Shabbos so therefore the, the rabbi said you can't pick up a pen because you might end up writing, so you don't move a pen at all on Shabbos, you do that only I'm just uh, used to smoke so I want to use the pen as a, you know, as a cigarette, okay, on Shabbos, meaning a fake cigarette right, so I'm not allowed to do that on Shabbos because I potentially can come to do the prohibited thing which is writing that's the assumption. You're gonna you might come to do that. So the question is of good. So, so if so the, that category of mux is called what's called we call a klisha malachte leser, which means a utensil which primary use is for prohibited labor. So, so the question is, does a gun fit that category? Um, because it's made for killing. Nutilis and shama, killing on Shabbos is awesome. Taking of anything, you know how to kill a cockroach on Shabbos. Okay, even, right, so you, we don't kill any. We don't take away life on Shabbos, one of the 39 malafas. So the Tilas Hashama, you know, the Shecht on Shabbos, if you're a Shecht, uh, if you can. But so the question would be, is a gun fit into the category of Klisha Malachta or not? Um, now, by the way, even if it's a Klisha Malachta Lisser, you're still allowed to move it. It's our Gufi That means if you need a place, for example, it's on your table, well, you'd be allowed to move it. Or you have to pistol whip someone, that would also be Tzarek Gufa, you'd be allowed to move it. Um, even not because of Nevesh. Let's say, you know, whatever, your kid, your disciplined kid, whatever the case is. So, um, so the point is, so, so number one is many places can say that uh, I put here, the one I saw at Befez, Shlomo Gorn, I heard this years ago, but I don't know from who. Shlomo Gorn, who was one of the Rav Rashis in uh, controversial um, person, but all the Pesachim he had, but he, in his Shuvah Sefer, he writes that a gun is not a Klishan Lach Since you, the purpose, as Jews at least, we're using it for self-defense, we're only going to use it in case of Pekoch Nefesh, where you have to kill someone where there's in danger to life. So that's 100% Mutter in Shabbos. So therefore, that's what you're using the gun for. So he says, it's not a Klishan Lach It's not a, it's the primary use is to use in cases of Heter, where you'll have to kill someone. So Mela, he holds, it doesn't have a Din Klishan Lach period. It's 100% not um, now others say, um, right, so, so uh, okay, that's Shlomo Gorn. Number, number four here on the sheet says a very interesting thing. They quote from the Shmir Shabbos quotes the name Shlomo Zaman Orbach. He's not this, he's, he's, he says like this, fascinating thing, and, and, uh, Sanzer Rebbe also said a similar thing many years ago, the whole Sanzer Rebbe. He says like this, that what's, if you think about it, this gets down to the heart of what a gun is for. What's the primary use of a gun? Not during war. During wartime, you have a rifle, it's made to kill people. That's the goal of a gun, is to kill the enemy. When a person carries, maybe Texas might be different, but most normal states, when you carry the idea, your goal is not to kill people. Your goal is as a deterrent. If you're going to get mugged, 
um, you, you take out your gun, the assumption is the guy's going to run away, unless he's carrying, I mean, even if he is carrying, he's the, no one wants to get killed. So the goal, of the, the tachlis of the gun, what's its primary use is not the tilas and shama, it's not to kill people, its primary use is a, you, is a deterrent. That's mutter and shamas, deterring people. What? Or self-protection. Uh, well, well, that's the thing. What do you mean self-protection? What is it use? Meaning, what's the goal of the gun? Why are you carrying a gun? Is it to kill people? Or is it to deter people from not killing you? Just like you say. So, he, so Shalem Zaman Orbach says, the primary use of the gun is to deter people not to start up with you, you know, especially yeah, you know, or, or everyone, even the concealed carry people, you know, you want to show your bulge, you, you, you know, you make sure you open your jacket a few times, <laughs> right? So the idea is to show people that you're carrying, and then they're not going to start off you. If you're walking in a bad neighborhood, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, it's a, you, 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 I didn't have a gun, but you, 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 uh, you know, even if you're carrying uh, brass knuckles or nunchucks, you wanted to show, they, they was to carry it, I didn't know how to use them. But you just carry it, and, and then people, hopefully I'm 5'3", you know, people get scared off. So see, the goal is deterrent, not to hurt people. Therefore, says Rosh Hashanah it's it's also, it's not a cliche to listen. It's not, deterring people on Shabbos is 100% mutter. So we don't view that as a cliche Machtalist. Uh, interestingly enough, his son disagrees. Uh, Shmuel Orbach, I saw said, they quote him, he says that, he says, poof again, he says that since, what's the deterrent? The deterrent is because it can kill. So Mele, he says, that's considered cliche Machtalist. It's still considered a, a vessel that primary use is usher because where does the deterrent come from? It's only a deterrent because, uh, because it can kill. I Meaning it's not going to be a deterrent if, you, if they see you have no bullets. And clearly it's not a deterrent. Right? What about the idea that it's, uh, that it's a it's a of Oh, we get this. We get oh, So that's the first thing I said. That's the first. That's the Goran says that. That's the first thing. Shalom Goran, number one. You're not looking at your sheet. Number two. Three. Three on the sheet. So he says that's the, it's klishel machtel hetter because like exactly like saying because it's only used in hetter situations to kill in self-defense, which is mutan chat. That's Shlomo Goran's chat. But um, Ryashev argues Ryashev does consider a gun as a klishel machtel hetter. Um, but again, even if it's a klishel machtel hetter, it's still mutter to move it for sure in the kolchnefer situation, even for good to go for mekayim. So if you need to use it on Shabbos for whatever reason, so then it's still mutter, technically speaking. So even according to the Ash, but he does consider Klishim after list. So the next question, so that's as far as Muktz is concerned. So almost according to all the Paiskim, there's really no issue, issue of Muktz. Again, the Yashif does seem to classify it as a Klishim after list, but it still would be able to move, to be moved in, most situ- in many situations. Okay, so then the next question is, what about in the case where there's no air? So this, this is the first Gemara, by the way, in Sefer Shabbos, as Ernie quoted. Ernie has vast knowledge of the Talmud. Ernie, where do you... How do you know so much What's Gemara? That? How do you know so much Gemara? Yeah. We quoted this one. We, we happen to be learning Shabbos. Shabbos. Beautiful. Okay, so in the Shabbos, it's the first Mishnah that says like this. Um, if, you have to, if you have any halakhic questions, please return after the class. Just email them. Okay. Um, so it says like this. In, in the Samach in Shabbos, there's a lot of discussion about carrying on Shabbos. What's considered carrying? As we know, so if you're carrying something in your hand, that's not what we're discussing. If you're carrying something in your hand, of course it's carrying. The question becomes, what happens if you're wearing clothing? Obviously, there's a few atayim that are not considered categories, that are not considered carrying. One is lavush, that means you're wearing something as a garment. Number two is um, if it's jewelry. That's why women can wear jewelry on Shabbos, even though they're hanging, it's all bouncing all over. It's fine, because it's attached. Attach is also what we call, the, when something's defined as jewelry, that's not considered carrying. Okay, similar to lavush. 
Um, so the mission here discusses what about a weapon. So the mission first, the mission says, a person, a man cannot go out with his weapon. By the way, the whole other issue which we're not talking about, which is for women, becomes a whole other halachic issue, nothing to do with shuls or Shabbos, which is an issue, issue of layobash, misobash, because there's a prohibition of cross-dressing the Torah, assuming the Gemara actually assumes that a weapon is a man's uh, clothing, you know, only men wear carry weapons, and therefore there could be a whole different issue. If you have a pink gun, there are post-commemorated, and for women, then it's not a man's weapon, but, but there's a, a separate shayla, which could be, that's subjective, and in a place like Texas, I think men, probably just as many women carry as men, so, so I, I asked the shayla, my wife has a license, she doesn't carry, but, so it could be there, there are post-commemorated, that's a whole separate issue, not for today. But anyway, the mission says like this, so all these different types of defensive weapons, offensive weapons, it says you cannot carry them out on Shabbos. Again, talking about carrying outside the Arab on Shabbos. When you have to the this is the rice that says the Mishnah to carry out. That's the Tanakhama. It says, The jewelry. Weapons are macho, uh, you know, men, women have their jewelry, men have their jewelry, especially as it, you know, this is part, considered a tachshit. This is a way for men to show off the machoism. If you're not an atzala, you don't carry radio, so you carry a gun. Um, there's different ways that we have expressing our, our machoism. So, so the, the, the point is, and by the way, just bring up atzala, and we're not getting into that, but Ramesha, interesting enough, has a whole chuva about carrying radios on Shabbos outside the Arab. He's matter because of this reason, because of the tachshit. He holds that it's considered jewelry. Again, people like showing off their equipment, uh, men especially. Um, but he says he doesn't address mukta, interestingly enough. Is that the he doesn't is mention that the, uh, a- anything about mukta. Seemingly, he holds there's no mukta issue on the radio, moving it. He doesn't address the issue. Again, I mean, it's a riot, but he only talks about the issue of carrying other issues. He doesn't talk about mukta. You would seem to hold that it's not a mukta issue, similar to what you're saying about a gun, because since its primary purpose of the radio is in case of pikoch nefesh, so doesn't, there's no issue of mukta. That would, would be the implication for Moshe's truth. But, uh, so again, you have a machlek. It's a Tanakama says it's not, it's, it's carry, it's a chiv chatas to carry outside the air, a weapon. Rabbi Leazar says, tachshidheim, it's, it's a tachshid. Interesting uh, argument here. Chacham say no, and they're not, they're, they're agreeing with the Tanakama. It's not Pishitas. They say, actually, it's a disgrace. A weapon is a disgrace. Okay, again, anti-NRA here. Why? Shenema, and they bring the Pasuk, famous Pasuk from um, Yeshaya, same outside the UN, famous Pasuk, everyone knows, on the wall outside the UN. It says, um, It says in the future, right, when Mashiach comes, Pasuk says that uh, we'll turn our swords into plowshares, etc., etc., whatever it says outside the UN. I don't know the translation. I don't, Nation, I don't, know, that, I don't know tonight. It's here. What? So, so the point is, there's a famous verse Number after the six. UN, eventually, in the times of Mashiach, there won't be weapons. So you see, he says, if it's a tashit, so even in times of Mashiach, people would still wear it. Um, what, no, it's why he's saying, today we need weapons for defense. So what, if it's a tashit, if you're saying a weapon is a, something, it's a macho thing, men wear it for machoism, so even in times of Mashiach, they'll still wear it for machoism. But why wouldn't it change? So he says the rat, so he brings the rat from there, that a weapon is a disgrace, is a disgrace. he says, it's what's the lesson? It's, um, it's a gnai, weapon is a gnai, and therefore it's not a tachshit, and therefore you can't wear it on Shabbos. So that's how we pass it in Shulchan Aruch, pass it like the Tanakhama, that you cannot carry a weapon outside the air. Again, if it's Pekul Nefesh, there's no shadow. 
Okay, so that's very important to understand. I spoke to the Aruch HaShulchan, that is the only one who's matter. He says for a soldier, and the assumption is to assume for a policeman today, and it's also, then for them it's a lavosh. It's part of their uniform. So if you're in the IDF, so then that's a different shape. He says, you're allowed to keep, that's not, according to the Aruch HaShulchan, that's a soldier, that's his lavosh. It's not a tachshir, you use the lush and lavosh, it's part of your garment. It's part of your uniform. The same would apply to a police officer or if you're a security guard. So a security guard would be able to carry it outside his area if it's part of his uniform. Again, that's his whole thing. It's a deterrent. He's used. So, so it would seem like, according to the Aruch HaShulchan's mother, almost all the places, including Mishnah if I remember, argues on the Aruch HaShulchan, but uh, the Aruch HaShulchan is matter for a soldier, again, not for a you know, layperson. It wouldn't mean for any guy carrying in the shul. If he's a hired hand security guy, so then would be mutter, according to the Aruch HaShulchan, it's mutter to carry, it would be, you can carry outside the area. Um, I called Rabbi first, who's a Paisic uh, in Chicago, to ask him some of these shayos, and he told me, um, sorry, because I, I, I didn't call him that. I heard a share from him. He has a conference call once a week. He happened to speak about uh, two weeks ago this question, and he was asked about carrying outside the area. So he, he held by with much of the carry in the shul, um, just to know. And he, but he said carrying, meaning, again, the assumption is where there's a threat in the shul, but you live in a neighborhood where there's no threat. So walking to shul, if you don't have an Arab, would be the issue. Can I carry to shul? Because in the shul there's a threat. So he said, the, he said you have to leave it in the shul from before Shabbos. The shul should buy a safe, a gun safe, and have it in a safe place, or keep it in the rabbi's office locked up. You can't carry the gun to shul if there's no threat walking to shul. Meaning again, so let's assume there's a threat in the shul, because today, Powell and Pittsburgh, so there's a threat in the shul, it's Pichol Nefesh. So I can carry the gun in the shul. That doesn't give me a hatter to carry it over an Issa Dereis of carrying outside an air. We're assuming it's just around the rest. Stamets okay in the shul? Meaning like, there's no active he, threat. Yes, he felt it was a th- enough of a threat. He felt shul. that today's enough of a threat to carry to in the shul. Again, not. Why is it different though? Let me explain. He even said, just to know, he actually pushed that the rabbi should be trained. He held people in shul to be trained um, for active shooter situations. And he, say, he said in the share that. He wasn't sure about this, but people asked him, so he brought up different questions. And he said that uh, actually the rabbi should be trained because he explained, he said someone explained to him that most shuls, the entrance is in the back to the, to the sanctuary. So the rabbi's sitting facing the crowd. He's going to be the first one to see the shooter. The guy, you know, someone else had once faced the front during the sermon. So the rabbi's facing the back. So he's going to be the first one. He said the rabbi needs to be caring because he's going to be the first responder, technically speaking. So, it's not a bit of a want to speak to everyone there, but it's, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that a steer, though? That there's enough code of to carry in the shul, but not enough to carry to shul? Yes, because what we're saying is, again, not if you live in Fandor. You live in Bel Air, so there's no threat yeah. walking to shul. No, but no, you're going to shul. Threat, you bring threat, it to shul. So you can bring it before shul. Saying bring before Shabbos, leave it in the shul. Right. Doesn't even have to, to carry out our neighbors. It's in the rice. Talking about is that we should be around the rice. No if he, if he, so there's he, no air, right? If he did not I mean, put it in the safe ahead of time, he forgot. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. You stuck up there. There's no other gun. So it's better. Yeah, that's he's saying. He's saying you have no hatter to be over this in the rice to carry to the shul if there's no threat in the street. If you want to say there's a special threat in the shul, which maybe we're running out of time. I have a lot of time to talk about it. So then he's saying it's not so posh. Did you interpret this guy totally uh, either wasn't here, but did you have to go to Shul? Well, no. So we said before, there are those that say, Dab mi Right. That's okay. a good point. That's a different child you have to speak. It's yeah, better. But that's, I wouldn't say like someone else before, about the cloud. We shouldn't say, close up all the Shuls. No, but everyone knows. You've got your gun at home, right? <coughs> so you're saying there would be a hazard carrying to Shul because of the in the Shul. And so right. you'd be able no, to No, but that's for you. It's the child is a cloud. Everyone else. No one's allowed to go to Shul then. 
Right. I'm saying the problem is. If even one person is going to show up, then, I, if then I'm you the guy, go. there's three guys that are designated carriers in shul. If I'm not going to show up, so there's one, you know, it could be more of a threat. That's the shot. So that could be pickle nefesh for the club. They're already in shul. I'm coming late. So I'm saying. If you know, then it cancels the services. Right. Okay, so that's as far as I have. We have five more minutes. Uh, it's two, two other very important things. So the, the, real, the real question becomes seriously speaking, is there really a threat? So, no, meaning. Very nice, as we said, but the chances of getting hit by a car or struck by a train or dying in a plane crash are probably much higher than getting killed in a shul. Pashtas, at least at this point, hopefully the, it won't change. I mean, everything should stay or get better. But uh, the point is like this. So, so normally in Allah, just to understand, pikoch nefesh, and danger to life is defined. Normally we go basarav, we go statistics. In all halachic areas, right? Bittal, we discussed, whatever it is, uh, comes to, to, uh, in all areas of halacha, we look at numbers, and actually, Rav Lahatas, there's a rive, and we go by the rive. Gemara Numa says, Beferish, that, uh, that there's no, when it comes to Pekoch Nefesh, ain't Hochen Acharav, rive is out the window. We don't go by statistics. Statistics are irrelevant. Gemara's case is you have a building collapse on Chavez, and there's, there's someone, we don't even know this building was abandoned for five years. There's probably no one even in the building. And even if he's there, it might be a guy, which is questionable. And even if, and if, and even if there is, even if there's a Yid, there's no chance of survival. So there's a 0.1% chance of survival, says the Gemara. He's still to be Mechal Shabbos and remove the rubble to save that person. So if there's a 1% chance of, of loss of life, you're to do it without a shadow. So statistics are irrelevant when it comes to saving life. But what I found is, fascinatingly, there's a lot of truths that it has to be, meaning how far do we take this? If something's so remote, how, where do you draw the line? No, it's the old argument is like someone could say, I'm, I do cancer research, so I'm allowed to go to work on Shabbos and kill my rats in my lab because I might discover the, 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 the cure for cancer. So obviously we don't say that. We don't say give me the Shabbos because there's a point, oh chance. This Saturday I'm going to discover the cure for cancer. So there's some cases which are so remote, so how do you define that remote chance? The question is where we're holding today in America with the threat, you know, as if you live in Turkey in Istanbul here, there's no Shabbos, because never. You know, in your shul, you have to carry the shul. But in, to say that every shul at this point has reached that threshold of pikol nefesh, I don't know the answer to that. The first clearly held it was okay. So I just, just, I'll just say, because uh, we're almost out of time. Uh, so the main, the main shul here, there's different shuvas which discuss remote possibilities and cases that are not pikol nefesh. So you won't be machal shabbos. For example, um, the Binyan Seer, Rabbi Yaakov Ettinger, has also played a shul. They discuss the famous case of autopsy. As we know, in Allah, it's prohibited to do autopsies. Um, it's a device to mutilate a body, but if it's pikuach nefesh, we allow an autopsy. So, for example, uh, the he discusses. Let's say you have a murder on the street, There's a murder on the loose. So you have to do an autopsy to to find the you know to 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 find the murderer. So then, of course, it's mutter because you have to get a danger. There's a present, a clear and present danger. The other case would be there's someone else in the family that's sick has the same disease, we need to ascertain what the disease is by an autopsy, then we allow an autopsy. Because that, so he explains, what's the side? He says, but let, just to do an autopsy, let's say I want to do research on Parkinson's, the person had Parkinson's, I want to cut apart his brain to figure out, you know, the cure for Parkinson's. The bad, the, when I'm not to that, why? Because he says, this has to be what's what he calls the fanecha, clear and present danger right now in front of you. Imminent. Imminent danger. There's no imminent danger. So let's say, Let's say there was the police department called up the shuls and the ADL called us and said there's, there's chatter and they heard that there's going to be a, there's a threat to Houston. This shot is going to be an attack on one of the shuls. Sign 100%. That's called an imminent danger. We know we have surveillance or uh, whatever. They surveil Facebook. People posted that they're going to attack a synagogue this week. So no shadow. That 
Kuch Nefesh. But to say because two shuls in were, the United States were attacked, I'm not sure that is called an imminent threat. Where would, where, where would be matter to Kuch Nefesh on Shabbos? That's number one. Um, number two is, so, so Ramesha has a fascinating shul, which I don't really understand, but he discusses cases where he says that, it's interestingly enough, it's subjective, that Pikul Nefesh might be subjective. Because different people have different levels of what they, you know, one mother, the kid gets a cut on his head, you have to run to the hospital immediately. The other mother is chilled out, you know, get, you know, leave me alone, go to the freezer, take some, put a nice, put a piece of meat on your head. Right, so, so it's subjective to the person. And he says that Taka, we can use that in defining Pikul Nefesh. If a person is more anxious, so that person has a right to, to violate child, which is a big Kiddush, not sure I understand it completely, but that's what Ramesha says. Um, Shalom Zalman gives a, gives a litmus test of what you consider Pekor Nefesh on Shabbos. He says, because it's such remote cases. So he says, it will be totally, during, you have to look at yourself during the week in that same situation. Like we say, if this person, uh, if you had your, your chest pains on Shabbos, you had indigestion, you just ate Chinese food at the, at the lunch line, and now you have indigestion, so would you run to the emergency room on Shabbos or not? And, and during the week, on a Tuesday. If you go in that situation, because of your chest pains, you'd go to a clinic on Tuesday, so he said then you're allowed to go on Shabbos. The case he's talking about, an interesting case, they, they asked him, what about a changing a flat tire? IDF cheap gets stuck. Should they are they allowed to change the flat tire on Shabbos or they have to send, should they walk back to base or get another Jeep? So he says, depends on the situation. If on Tuesday you'd get that flat tire and it would, you know, let's say you're in the Shtachim, in the West Bank you'd have to change it because it's, it's dangerous, you want to wait for another Jeep. So it's enough sufficient danger that you want to do it ASAP to get back to base. So he says, you're allowed to do that on Shabbos. You're allowed to change that flat tire on Shabbos because they might they consider it a danger. So the litmus test is what you would do on a Tuesday. That's the last thing I want to just end off um, with uh, this unbelievable plan, just to show you this, the argument of the NRA and the rest of the world. Um, on the back page, the Ramban, um, it's not unbelievable. You see that the argument <coughs> that we're having today, same argument we have today in, in, the, in America, at least, in the rest of the world, they're not having this argument, but whether, as, the, as we said before, guns, the NRA's, you say it is guns kill, people don't kill. I'm not going to read the Ramban, but the Ramban talks about the, the end of the Parish of um, talks about um, there was the great grandson of Adam Rishon was Lamech, um, and he had three sons. And once he says he each it says what he taught. He had two wives. To, I forgot their names, Sila and something else. Adam. Okay. Adam Sila. Adam Sila. Psh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he says over there. It says Adam Sila he, that they, he had three kids with each uh, three kids total, and he taught each one different. Uh, he invented different things. One he taught how to make instruments. The other one he taught how to animal husbandry to live on a ranch in Texas, he had, he had he made different animals. And the third one, it says he taught him how to make weapons. So, so Ramban explains there the background of the story. Ramban says, they don't believe Ramban. You should look at it inside. He says like this. He explains, he said that, that as we know, Tuval Kain was a grandson of Kain. Kain was the first murderer. So his wife got all upset. What are you teaching our kid how to make weapons? You're teaching him how to use iron f to make weapons? People are going to, we already have shidduchim problems. So our grandson was kind. Now, you, now you're going to, you know, this kid's going to be making weapons. He's going to say, just like his grandfather. And weapons kill people. What are you doing? You say we're murderers, just like a grandfather. So Kain, it says, Tuva Kain, what was the first, uh, second argument between husband and wife? Tuva Kain answers his wife. He says, anything can kill people, isn't it? I can strangle people with my hands. And making a weapon doesn't kill, it's the person who kills. Mamish like the NRA, straight out of the NRA commercial, Tuval Kain says, to back to his wife, to point to Ramban, he says, weapons, it's not the weapons that kill, I'm teaching him how to make a weapon, it's the people that kill. So therefore, he, that's his argument, the interesting is Ramban doesn't say who's right. So again, you see the same debate took place 5,700 years ago, 
Mamish in the beginning of creation. The same exact debate is taking place today in the United States. What the answer is, I don't know. Thank you very much. Make sure if you're a, a lawyer, you signed in. Thank you.